Good evening, and welcome to St. Patrick's Cathedral for the opening Mass of the Fall 2022 40 Days for Life campaign of prayer and fasting for an end to abortion and the building up of a culture of life. We give thanks to God for the favorable decision in the Dobbs case, and we pray that all of our leaders and lawmakers will come to recognize the sacred dignity of all human life. We pray to the Lord. In i den romersk-katolska kyrkan St. Patrick's Cathedral på 5 avenyn på Manhattan har en 40-dagars mässa för livet precis inlänts. Genom att fasta och be hoppas man sätta stopp för alla aborter eller mördandet av bebisar som de själva kallar det. Good evening. My name is Laurie Jones and I'm the leader of 40 Days for Life Manhattan. You see, in the US, since the passing of Roe v. Wade in 1973, an estimated 63 to 64 million children have been killed in abortion. And can you believe it that in one single year, 2020, Planned Parenthood actually killed 383,460 babies, a number that is very similar to the population of New Orleans. På trottoaren utanför har New York City for Abortion Rights samlats för en högljudd abortkarneval. En motståndshandling mot 40-dagarsmässan som pågår i kyrkan. 40 days of life targets at least seven reproductive health clinics in New York City. Witness for life, the group that we counter every first Saturday of the month at Bleecker Street Planned Parenthood participates in 40 days of life. What better way to counter them than to bring our celebration of abortion right to their door? De är en av många aborträttsorganisationer som bildats sedan högsta domstolen rev upp det gamla prejudikatet Roe vs Wade i juni. Vilket hittills inneburit att 18 delstater begränsat eller förbjudit abort. So we are at St. Patrick's Cathedral on Fifth Ave in New York City. Um, we're here because it's the Archdiocese of New York's um, kickoff event for what they call 40 Days for Life, which is a, a biannual campaign of basically abortion patient uh, harassment, uh, misinformation, of coercing people, um, and straight up just, just violence. Um, so we're here to protest their, their first debut um, after, since Roe v. Wade has been overturned. Och just den här karnevalen är en hyllning till aborträtten där de uppmanat alla att komma i karnevalsutstyrsel och göra så mycket oljud som möjligt för att störa dem där inne. I'm wearing a feathery boa um, and a green bandana and our theme for the event today is an abortion carnival. Um, carnival is usually the period, the very celebratory festive period before Lent. Um, and so it's, you know, it's kind of a joke. Um, but also carnival has really the potential historically to, to really bring people together and it's about social satire and celebration, which is what we want abortion to be. Thank God for abortion. Thank God for abortion. Thank God for abortion. 
we will not back down in our fight for abortion access, free of stigma, and free of harassment. Yeah! I'm dressed um, like the Pope, not to castigate people for their choice for Catholicism, but to raise awareness of the way the Catholic Church stands behind against a woman's right to choose, which has been happening in Latin America for years. I mean, I've got a lot of beef with the Catholic Church. I think the patriarchal structure is oppressive at the very best, and I'm still mad about the Cathars. So don't start with me on the Pope. I'm not for patriarchal power, I'm for power for everyone, and I'm for healthy access to abortions tonight. Men alla är inte glada över abortkarnevalen som pågår på gatan. Catherine är en 30-årig jurist på väg in i kyrkan och hon känner sig djupt störd och säger att hon skäms över de protesterande kvinnorna. De representerar inte mig, säger hon, medan hon försöker ta sig in till mässan. I feel disturbed today about my belief and my, and my commuting to the, to the mass. Listen, it's taking me so... Usually it doesn't take me that long to get into the mass. And today it's, it's kind of horrible and you feel like attacked just trying to get into the, into the temple. Listen, it's really noisy that you cannot even hear. Could you imagine inside? There's no way to have a mass in that way. So as a woman, young woman, I'm 34, um, an attorney, a strong believer of your rights, um, definitely I don't feel that kind of women that represent me at all. Actually, they embarrass me because we should know better. People deserving um, someone else beliefs and sacred moments. That is what it is basically right now and what really makes me feel annoyed and respected in many ways. Där inne fortsätter Lori Jones från rörelsen 40 Days for Life att prata om den slakt på små bebisar som hon och de andra bortmotståndarna menar pågår. So as you can see, it's very important for us today to help prevent this unnecessary slaughter. The slaughter of babies can be helped by us when we go, we pray and we encourage women who are considering abortion at Planned Parenthood. Some of them really are not in their right mind, they're not thinking straight, and we can really encourage them, give them guidance, practical help, sometimes a place to stay if they need it. Thank you. For Today's for Life är en del av det omfattande organiserade abortmotstånd som finns över hela USA, och enligt dem är aborthistoriens största kris för mänskliga rättigheter. Varje kvinna de lyckas övertala att inte göra abort innebär ett räddat barnaliv, menar de. 40 Days for Life is a peaceful prayer vigil that we hold twice a year in the spring and in the fall where we fast and pray to end abortion. Roe is finished. But our work is not done yet. Wherever you live, you can seize this historic moment and help end the greatest human rights crisis in history. 
So what we do is we stand on a sidewalk in front of abortion businesses and pray and equip and empower women to be able to choose life for their babies. Join one million volunteers worldwide and help end abortion where you live by participating in the September 28th to November 6th 40 Days for Life vigil. The Buffalo 40 Days for Life campaign has saved 52 babies. Yeah, during our 40 Days for Life campaigns, we've probably seen over 100 lives saved in the last 10 years. From our campaign, I think we've saved between 8 to 12. We know that there is a classroom full of babies alive today because of our 40 Days for Life campaign in Yuba City. Visit 40daysforlife.com and sign up to pray. Now is the time to be part of the beginning of the end of abortion. I'm Sam. I am a local reproductive rights and social justice organizer in New York City. Men för New York City för abortion rights och de andra aborträttsaktivisterna är abortmotståndarnas högljudda böner utanför klinikerna ingenting annat än trakasserier av de kvinnor som behöver få en abort. Um, it is obviously not my full-time job, but it's something I'm incredibly passionate about and spend a lot of my time doing. Jag träffar Samantha utanför St. Patrick's Basilica i downtown Manhattan. Yes, this is the uh, old St. Patrick's Basilica at the Mott and Mulberry in downtown Manhattan, the Soho neighborhood. Och här utspelar sig en konfrontation varje månad mellan aborträttsaktivisterna och abortmotståndarna. They host the group Witness for Life the first Saturday of every month and they're just a I mean, we feel they're a hateful group because they're out here harassing patients. Um, trying, somebody stands out with a um, fake clinic escort vest trying to um, sidewalk counsel people that are coming up to steer them away from going to their appointment, hand them out flyers, you know, crisis pregnancy information, not actual helpful abortion information. So people just need to be made aware that this church exists and that this group exists. New York City for Abortion Rights specifically does a monthly clinic defense. They defend the Planned Parenthood on Bleecker Street from the group called Witness for Life. Witness for Life is an anti-abortion group led by Christopher Fidelis Muskinski, um, and he is an avid anti-abortion person, and um, he has a clinic invader. He has federal charges now against him for... Um, bike locking clinics in uh, White Plains and Hempstead. He recently served time. So on the first Saturday of every month, New York City for Abortion Rights comes out and does a clinic defense to try to keep Witness for Life from possessing from Old St. Patrick's Basilica in downtown Manhattan. En av Planned Parenthood's kliniker ligger bara några hundra meter bort från St. Patrick's Basilica. Och på grund av det spända läget som råder kring abortfrågan här är deras entré knappt synlig för den som inte känner till dess existens. It's a fairly I mean it's a normal door not super wide. Um there's a couple it's surrounded by glass. It's a pretty unassuming entrance. Uh the Planned Parenthood sign is somewhat faded and you'd have to kind of get up close to see it. Um it's not marked especially well. You have to know what you're looking for, but it's just on the corner here um off Bleecker Street. Abortmotståndargruppen som Samantha pratar om, Witness for Life, anordnar varje månad en procession 
där de vandrar från kyrkan ner till kliniken samtidigt som de ber och försöker övertala kvinnor att inte genomföra sin planerade abort. And yeah, our our goal on the first Saturday of the month is to stop them from processing. So whenever we don't have a big procession and they don't make their way to the clinic as a big group, that is a success to us. We try to keep it much calmer over here. We have people standing with big rainbow umbrellas and big sign that says your body, your choice. Try and make it welcoming for patients. Um, they usually stand over there and the witness for life people. We're just trying to block the patients from seeing them and like even knowing that they're really here. That's our goal. Um, so they'll have somebody stand here with their fake clinic escort and then we have somebody stand with a sign that says fake clinic escort to point out that this is not a real person uh, with Planned Parenthood and then you have the actual Planned Parenthood escorts who are in their you know real pink vests who are escorting patients they can only go you know so far um, so they're just trying to get them through the crowd and safely Jag tar tunnelbanan till Inwood som ligger längst upp på Manhattans norra del. Där bor journalisten Garnet Henderson som bevakat frågor som rör reproduktiv rättvisa i mer än tio år. Uh, my name is Garnet Henderson. I'm 31 years old and I live in New York City. I'm a journalist reporting on health and abortion access and I'm the host and producer of Access, a podcast about abortion. Hon är också upphovskvinnan bakom podcasten Access, a podcast about abortion, som tar upp allt du behöver veta kring aborter. Och hon känner mycket väl till abortmotståndarnas trakasserier av klinikerna som Samantha och de andra aktivisterna försöker att förhindra. People who work in abortion clinics in the United States, I think it's important to know, are often being harassed every day by anti-abortion protesters as they walk into work. Uh, at least 11 people in the United States have been murdered by anti-abortion extremists. So people who work in abortion clinics generally do it because they're really passionate about that work. They're often very overworked and underpaid, and they deal with harassment and threats of violence all the time. So I think it's really important to understand just how dedicated they are to their work and how important it is to them, because most other jobs that they could have would be easier. <laughs> Efter högsta domstolens beslut att upphäva Roe vs Wade har det blivit allt vanligare att privatpersoner erbjuder sina hem eller att skjutsa kvinnor som behöver hjälp att ta sig till en annan stat för att få abort. Privata initiativ som är välvilliga men som tyvärr kan bidra till den förvirring som råder eftersom abortmotståndarna också erbjuder allt ifrån falska eskorter till falska abortkliniker, så kallade crisis pregnancy centers. Det kan alltså vara väldigt svårt för den enskilda kvinnan att orientera sig och veta vilka erbjudanden som är seriösa och vilka som kommer från abortmotståndare som försöker övertala dig att inte genomgå din abort, berättar Garnet Henderson. 
So I think it can be appropriate, but it's not something that you should just be offering to strangers. You know, if you really want to get involved with that kind of work, you need to find your local practical support organization and start to get to know them so they know that you're someone that they can trust, work with them, get properly trained and vetted just to keep everyone safe. Because, uh, you know, also in the United States, we have all these crisis pregnancy centers uh, which are essentially fake abortion clinics. And I know that uh, a lot of the same organizations have exported this model overseas. So I know that the UK has quite a number of them now. I don't know if they exist in Sweden. I, very, very, very rarely. Uh, that's, that's good. Like the extremists extremists uh, doing that. Yes. And they have like a web page and hotline. Yes, exactly. So... Um, We know that crisis pregnancy centers, which are almost always religiously affiliated, actively mislead pregnant people. So they often pose as real abortion clinics uh, to lure people in and then give them false and really stigmatizing information about abortion. Um, And I heard, again, a, a real story from an abortion fund in Colorado of a woman who was lured to Colorado from out of state by a crisis pregnancy center thinking that she had an appointment for an abortion and they let her travel to Colorado. And luckily once she was there, she got in touch with a real abortion fund that then helped her get an appointment at a real clinic. But you know, crisis pregnancy centers and other anti-abortion extremists are going to capitalize on this moment of confusion and really desperation. So that's why it's so important for people not to just be randomly offering their homes or their cars because, you know, anti-abortion extremists are doing that as well. So we need to make sure that those services are only coming from organizations who've vetted all of their volunteers. Förutom att det kan vara svårt att hitta en seriös klinik och boka en tid så tillkommer den ekonomiska frågan Kostnaden för en abort ligger på omkring 5 000 kronor, berättar Garnet, och sen tillkommer flygbiljett och hotell, vilket gör att slutnotan lätt hamnar på tiotusentals kronor. En summa som är oerhörd för alla 60 miljoner människor som räknas som fattiga i USA och som dessutom ofta saknar sjukförsäkring. First of all, inflation is very high here right now, so most people are feeling a financial pinch. And we also know that people in the United States who have abortions are already more likely to be low income and more likely to be people of color. So those are people who are very unlikely to have good health insurance. Uh, And remember, if you have to travel out of state here, even if you have good health insurance, your insurance is not necessarily going to cover a medical procedure that happens out of state. Uh, People who are very unlikely to have, you know, an extra dollars, $2,000, How much would it, for example, cost? Oh, it could be up to thousands of dollars. You know, um, a first trimester abortion in most clinics is going to be somewhere around five to six hundred dollars i would say but there's a big a big range uh so even if we say you know let's say five hundred dollars is your base cost but then if you have to uh fly there that could be another two three four five hundred dollars depending on how uh expensive the plane ticket is and then uh you probably need to stay in a hotel there. That's probably about $100 a night. So, you know, we're talking easily 
a first trimester abortion that could have been $500 costing, you know, probably closer to a thousand. And that's not even considering money you might lose from taking time off of work if you don't have paid leave. And also we know that most people who have abortions in the U.S. are already parents. So that's not even considering having to either bring children with you or arrange childcare for your children while you travel. And, and also that's first trimester, right? So many people are being delayed. Uh, they might discover that they're pregnant and want an abortion in the first trimester, but it takes so long to arrange the travel, arrange the child care, find a clinic with an open appointment, that by the time you get there, you're in your second trimester. And now that's a more expensive procedure to begin with. So now we're talking about, you know, $2,000, $3,000 or more. And again, that would be the, the low end of the estimate probably. Det finns ett tydligt samband mellan osäkra aborter och mödradödlighet. Och trots att USA är ett av världens rikaste länder så är mödradödligheten den högsta i världen bland utvecklade länder. Värst är det för afroamerikanska och latinamerikanska kvinnor som löper tre till fyra gånger så hög risk att dö i samband med graviditet och förlossning jämfört med vita kvinnor. Siffror som redan nu syns i de stater där abort är förbjudet, berättar Garnet Henderson. We are the wealthiest country the world has ever known. And we have just abominably high rates of maternal mortality, particularly among women of color and especially black women, and especially in the same states that have banned abortion, particularly in the southeastern United States. Those are the states that already had the highest maternal death rates, already had the worst access to health care. Many of them chose not to expand Medicaid, which is our free health insurance, the, the, the only free health insurance program we have here for low-income people. And you have to live really in poverty to qualify for Medicaid. You know, if they're to get pregnant, they can't even afford proper prenatal care. So even if they wanted to have a child, they don't have access to the health care that they need to do that safely. One other thing that, that I've touched on, but that is really important to understand, is that abortion bans are going to affect everyone in the United States. All of us who are capable of becoming pregnant are going to see our lives changed by this in some way, even if it's simply a feeling, right, of having less safety um, in our society. But these laws do primarily affect people of color, and in particular, poor people of color, young people of color here in the United States, who are the people who are already left behind by our healthcare system. Uh, you know, healthcare here is frankly atrocious. Again, especially considering what a wealthy country this is. Um, and so the same people who are really losing access to abortion and access to decisions and choices about their own bodies when it comes to pregnancy are people who already had the worst health outcomes in the country. I think it's, it's something that's important to understand. Det finns också ett samband mellan de stater som nu förbjudit abort och bristen på sexualundervisning, berättar Garnet. Sex education is something again that I think we do pretty badly across the board in the United States. I think it could be better almost everywhere, but yes, the same states that are banning abortion um, either simply don't have or don't require sex education in their schools, allow parents to opt out, um, 
most states here allow parents to opt their children out of sex education. <laughs> Så hur kunde aborträtten upphävas? Varför händer det just nu? Det finns faktiskt ett svar på den stora frågan, säger Garnet Henderson och förklarar att abortmotståndarna varit extremt ihärdiga och strategiska. De identifierade redan för länge sedan att högsta domstolens sammansättning av domare var en smart strategi för att komma åt aborträtten. Och i decennier har de därefter lyckats bygga upp den politiska makten. The anti-abortion movement in the United States has done an extraordinary job, frankly, of strategizing and playing a really long game. They identified decades ago that the Supreme Court was the most important political body for them. And they have been actively campaigning on that, turning out voters and connecting the fact that the president can appoint Supreme Court justices. Republican voters have been motivated by that, and particularly the farther right-wing Republican voters have been motivated by that for many years now because Republicans have campaigned on that. They've talked about it explicitly. They have promised, uh, you know, Donald Trump, when he was campaigning, promised to appoint justices who would overturn Roe versus Wade. And he did it, (laughs) right? And so that's exactly what I mean when I say that Democrats are going to have to actually do something. You know, for so long, Democrats avoided really talking about abortion at all. Now they are talking about it, but are they really going to do something about it? It remains to be seen. Whereas the anti-abortion movement has really been building political power. Då måste väl demokraterna göra samma sak, säger jag. Och Garnet berättar att det finns en möjlighet att tillsätta fler domare i högsta domstolen. Grundlagen reglerar nämligen inte antalet domare, så om demokraterna lyckades med det skulle sammansättningen bli mer liberal. Yeah, or many people would argue because there's our constitution doesn't actually set the number of justices on the Supreme Court. We've not always had throughout United States history the same number of justices on the court. So there's another, you know, path which is that Democrats could expand the Supreme Court because all those justices have a lifetime appointment. Yeah. So those extremist anti-abortion justices and they're not just anti-abortion, right? They're opposed to most most forms of social progress we've had here in the United States since the 1960s. Um so we're not going to get rid of of them most likely, but one thing that Democrats could do is they could expand the Supreme Court. They could simply add more justices to change. Tillgång till laglig och säker abort handlar om hälsovård och borde inte vara politiserat, säger Garnet, som berättar att hon växte upp på landet i Wyoming och tidigt förstod betydelsen av att kvinnor själva har en möjlighet att välja sin framtid och liv. En av hennes nära vänner blev gravid med en man som misshandlade henne och hade inte hon fått abort hade hon varit bunden till den mannen för resten av sitt liv, säger Garnet Henderson, som ägnat stor del av sitt professionella liv åt denna livsviktiga fråga. The really simple answer is that it's important for me because I'm capable of becoming pregnant <laughs> and I want to be able to make decisions about my own body. Um, I also haven't always lived in New York. I grew up in Wyoming, which is the least populous state in the United States. It's very rural. Um, 
when I was growing up, we had the state's only abortion provider in my hometown. Um, and so I think I grew up with an awareness of the fact that abortion was very difficult to access in many parts of the country in a way that not everyone has, particularly if they do live in a state like New York or especially here in New York City. Um, and also, you know, many people very close to me have had abortions. One person in particular who was in an abusive relationship at the time. So I'm very aware of the fact that if she had not been able to access abortion, she might have been tied to that abusive partner by a child forever. Uh, you know, I just think access to abortion is healthcare that should not be politicized. But it's also just really fundamental to the ability to self-determine and choose the path of your own life. So it's something I've always really cared about and always been interested in. Abortfrågan präglar just nu hela USA och blir plötsligt återaktuell på platser och situationer du minst anar det. Som när jag senare samma eftermiddag besöker Whitney Museum för amerikansk 1900-talskonst och blir stående framför Juanita McNeilys stora målning med titeln Is it real? Yes it is. Den består av en serie bilder som täcker hela väggen och föreställer den illegala bort hon tvingades genomgå på 60-talet då hon blev gravid samtidigt som hon behandlades för cancer. Bilderna visar den grymhet och vårdslösa likgiltighet som hon möttes av från läkarna och den smärta hon tvingades genomlida. Bredvid mig står en äldre vithårig kvinna med tårar i ögonen. En kort sekund möts våra blickar och när hon ser att jag också gråter säger hon yes. Jag nickar och frågar om jag får ställa några frågor till henne. Det får jag. Jag såg att du var på den här What do you think when you see it? Way ahead of her time. Um, but very, very interesting. And I'm glad I read the description because I would not have been able to initially catch on to what it was. But it's amazing. It's so timely right now because of the crazy situation we're in in the United States. So what do you think about that the Roe versus Wade has been overturned? Oh. It needs to be, what has occurred needs to be overturned. It's crazy. They just need to get women's bodies out of politics. Yeah. And I mean, you have been around for, you must have been young by then. More than, <laughs> I'm 80 years old. You are, actually. <laughs> yes, no, I mean, from the days of introduction of birth control pills to... You know, who would ever ever have imagined though that this would be occurring a crazy? So much misinformation and so much putting so many people at danger. Situationen är galen och den försätter så många kvinnor i fara, säger kvinnan som presenterar sig som Rose. Thank you so much. Thanks. Have fun. Things are gonna get easier. Kampen för och emot rätten till laglig och säker abort har alltid varit högljudd i USA. Men nu, när 36 procent av kvinnorna i reproduktiv ålder saknar möjlighet att få abort i den egna delstaten, är en mer intensiv än någonsin. 
Den kamp som pågår på gatorna i New York mellan aborträttsaktivister och abortmotståndare är bara en liten del av vad som just nu äger rum i så gott som varenda delstat runt om i landet. Och den kommer antagligen fortsätta tills kvinnors kroppsliga självbestämmande återigen är en praktisk och laglig rättighet. Du har lyssnat på Body Rights, en podd från RFSU av och med mig, Maria Sveland. Det här var den andra delen i en serie om abortkampen i USA. Och i nästa avsnitt får du möta en av alla de underbetalda, överarbetade, engagerade människor som jobbar på en abortklinik. Uh, we are already being targeted by anti-abortion extremists who one of their methods for terrorizing us is to enter our clinic, try and force us to not see patients, try and scare and intimidate our staff. Um, and then there's been several abortion providers who've been murdered by um, anti-abortion extremists over the years. So we try everything to keep our patients safe and our staff safe. Yeah.